And good evening, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, Tony Defio, and I thank you for joining me on this improving weather-wise Friday evening in Pittsburgh. It's like 40-something now, I think. It's going to be close to 70 tomorrow on Saturday, so I'm really looking forward to it. Crazy uh, March weather we're having right now, but but Saturday should be the uh, the fun crazy part and Sunday. So I hope it's nice and warm. We're getting warmer wherever you are in Steeler Nation. And before I continue, as always, I'd like to please ask you and encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Behind the Still Curtain YouTube channel, we bring you live shows each and every day, including this show, The Hangover, The Steelers Preview, Steelers Post Game. The Curtain Call, which is what they—it's the uh, show with Michael Beck and Jeffrey Benedict that they host each and every Wednesday during the off season. The Touchdown Under with Maddie Peverall and and Mark Davison. The Hangover with Brian Anthony Davis, Shannon White, and and, and me—that's every Monday, especially during the off season because there will be no no uh, Monday games during the off season. There'll be no games, and you can catch those shows. After the fact, on any audio platform. Oh, before oh, before I continue, I, I would also like to tell you that you can catch all of our live shows on Facebook, too. And if you're watching me right now on Facebook, you know that. And you're probably, hopefully, writing nice stuff. But if it's mean, I can take it. So, hello, live Facebook. Or Facebook Live, I should say. But again, you can catch all of our live shows after the fact on any audio platform. Including Spotify, Spotify. Uh, iHeartRadio, you name it, you can find it any, anywhere you can find podcasts of the audio variety. You can catch Behind the Silk Curtain's uh, plethora of sh- live shows and audio-only shows. You can catch those on any audio platform. We have Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman, the live mic with, with Michael Beck, the Stat Geek with Dave Schofield. And by the way, I forgot to mention... The Scobro Show, that's one of our live shows that you can catch on YouTube or Facebook. That's with, with Dave and his brother, Rich. So you can catch that and the Stat Geek, hosted by Dave. You can catch From the Cutting Room Floor with, with uh, Jeffrey Benedict. You can catch What Ian's Talking About. You can catch The War Room with Maddie Peverall. We have so many uh, shows, both of the live and the audio variety. Y- you won't be sorry, so please check those out. And of course, check out Behind the Star Curtain, the website. We bring you news, commentary, film breakdown, any kind of news. We have, we'll have it for you, especially if it's Steelers related. And it's always Steelers related. So you can please check that out. It's your one stop shop for all your Steelers needs. And of course, let's check out the live chat. And I see that we have a, a, a dark horse as the as the, the first person in. We usually don't have uh, George Teston as, as the, num- the number one. But sure enough, the underdog comes through to, on Friday night, and he's the first one in the live chat. And fittingly, he has the, the Jack Lambert picture in his profile. And, and Jack Lambert was kind of an underdog out of Kent State, undersized, went on to the Hall of Fame. So it's, it's fitting. So welcome to George. Welcome to, to Kazam, Manzor, Jared Devil, Steelers Pittsburgh, Brian Brown, Danny Owens Jr., Robert Armstrong Sr., Just Me. Welcome, Just Me. All right, you guys are awesome, and I'm so thankful that you are joining me tonight. 
And let's talk about the combine. It's going on right now. I really haven't been paying a whole lot of attention to it. I'm not going to lie. I don't really get into the combine. I mean, I, I, I research it after the fact uh, for articles that I'm writing or, you know, for podcasts such as this. But as far as like when it's actually happening, I'm not sitting there uh, watching it intently. Of course, I don't have the NFL network, but I also don't pay attention to it on YouTube or, or anything. I just, it just, you know, it, it doesn't interest me. What can I say? I can't lie. I, I gotta be, I gotta be honest, but I, I do find some of the results interesting. And, and, um, uh, Kenny Pickett, the uh, Pittsburgh uh, Panthers quarterback, the NFL prospect, the guy who's going to go in the first round where and to whom is yet to be determined, obviously, but he's going to be drafted in the first round. And he, yeah, the, the never ending argument about his hand size, it came up around the senior bowl. And uh, of course it, it reared its ugly head for him again uh, this week and his hands were measured and he measured in at 8.5 inches, which is the lowest uh, in some time. I think it, it's up there with, or down there with Michael Vick as far as hand size all time. And uh, according to the records, according to the stats, Pickett will have the smallest hands in the NFL next year of any quarterback next year. So, you know, uh, he didn't really do much to to alleviate the concerns there as, as it pertains to being able to pass a football because there really isn't a, a ton of difference in size between, between an NFL ball and a college ball. At least I don't think there is. I'm pretty sure there isn't. And um, from what I understand, he worked out last offseason with an NFL ball, and, you know, he, he did fine. So uh, I'm not really worried about that. But I guess the, the, the main concern, and I, I've heard this and I've read this, and it makes sense, is the uh, uh, is a fumbling issue. You know, if you've, if you've ever watched, and I obviously we've all watched a ton of football, and, you know, for every time that a T.J. Watt or, or Greg Lloyd or James Harrison or Joey Porter or somebody like that smacks a quarterback in the back and just really, you know, every, every, for every time that happens and they dislodge the ball and there's a fumble, it happens nine other times and the quarterback holds on to the ball and you're like, how in the heck did that happen? And it's not just the ball wasn't just tucked in. They, they have it in their hand like, like they're holding a loaf of bread and they still don't fumble the ball. You know, and it's amazing. You're, you're wondering, well, how does that happen? And you know, some quarterbacks wear gloves, and you can you know attribute attribute it attribute it to that. But a lot of them don't. And uh, if you want to want to look for a good reason, it's because they have big, strong hands. I mean, Big Ben. I mean, six foot five, arguably the biggest quarterback ever in terms of stature. You know they have massive hands and they're able to, to, to hold on to the ball with one hand. So that's why it's important for Kenny Pickett. And that's why it's an issue. Hello. Sorry. I, uh, I, I got disconnected again. This darn microphone. Anyway, if it wasn't a factor for quarterbacks hand size, then they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't be talking about it in the NFL. They wouldn't be measuring for it. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be an issue at all. It wouldn't be a talking point. So obviously it's an issue. Uh, obviously I don't think it's going to affect Kenny Pickett's draft status. I think he's still going to go in the first round and in the first half of the first round. And if I had to guess, he's probably going to be gone by the top 10, you know? So 
George Teston brings up in the live chat, Ben's pump fake. Has anybody had, had ever had a sicker pump fake than Ben Roethlisberger? The ability to just uh, pump the ball or just change his mind uh, in mid throw and hold on to the ball and then go somewhere else with it. Big Ben was maybe the best at that ever. And, you know, that's another factor in with, you know, Kenny Pickett's hand size. He, he won't be able to do things like that, at least not on a regular basis. So it, it, it's an issue, but I don't think it's, it's a, it's a, 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 um, uh, a deal breaker. I don't think it should be, you know, I think you, you should factor it in, but I don't think it should be a deal breaker. And I think he'll be, he'll be drafted. I think he's going to be a fine as of right now. You can't talk in absolutes. That's why I say, I think, He'll be a fine pro. Will, will he be a great professional quarterback? It remains to be seen. But I, I don't think if he does fail as a, as a uh, NFL quarterback, it's not going to be because of his hand size. That's one thing that people, you know, when they talk about it being a factor, they don't say that part of it. If Kenny Pickett fails, it won't be because he has small hands. It'll be, be because he can't, you know, maybe process information at the pro level or, or he doesn't have the physical, um, uh, he doesn't have the arm strength, something like that. So I'm not worried about that, but he did, he did put on a, a pretty decent uh, combine from what I've read. You know, he, he ran a 4.740 in the, in, in the uh, 40 yard dash, which isn't extremely fast for a quarterback, but we saw uh, how mobile he was in college. We saw in the uh, AFC champ or AFC ACC championship game when he, he uh, faked the uh, some say unfairly faked the defender. With the, with the fake slide and, and kept his balance and, and ran for a touchdown. But he's, I mean, there were plenty of other examples of, of his uh, ability to scramble and run during his, uh, what, five years at Pitt. So, yeah, um, he put on a decent enough show. He finished third behind uh, Desmond Ritter, and I forget the other guy's name. Uh, I wrote it down. I can't find it. But he finished third in, 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 in the 40 and in the uh, in the uh, the uh, with the box jump or whatever it's called. Oh no, the um, the vertical jump. So he, again, I apologize. I appear to have uh, problems with my mic tonight, but that happens every now and then. There's always technical issues going on somewhere in the world. But. Uh, if I'm not back, you'll let me know in the live chat. It appears that I'm I'm, I'm okay. But anyway, uh, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. He's he's putting on a decent show as far as um, as far as his uh, athletic grades at, at the combine. Uh, he ran a 4.52. I think he had a 36 inch vertical leap. So you know what I find interesting about the combine is I I, I don't necessarily think it's a uh, it's a uh, the most important factor in, in where a guy is going to get drafted. But it, I think actually, I think his, a player's four or five year college career is way more important than the combine or the pro day. But let's be honest, they factor in heavily. I mean, we saw it so much in the past. I talked about this last year. What was his name? Mike Mamola, the guy was his name <laughs> uh, from Boston College. Uh, who basically trained for the combine? He hired a trainer and and and, and trained uh, by performing all of the the usual uh, exercises that in the drills that you would see in a combine. And he wound up going from like maybe a third round pick, and he was picked in the top ten. I think he was seventh by the Eagles. So he had a decent career, but he wasn't 
He certainly didn't live up to his, his draft status. So there's no question that the combine factors in heavily. And when I, when I see a player like, like Desmond Ritter uh, doing as well as he, as he has athletically at the combine, he's going to, it's going to raise his draft stock. And so it's going to be interesting to see if he elevates himself into the first round, because we talked about um, him being a second round pick so often, but you know, we know how starved NFL teams are for quarterbacks. And if you fall in love with one, all, and all it takes is one team to fall in love with a guy, or at least to create such a, a buzz about him, they get other teams interested, you know? So I think that Desmond Ritter, he, you know, we all, everybody knew about him, but I think he put himself on the map uh, even more as far as being a first, a possible first round pick with his uh, combine, whether I agree with, with it or not, as far as it being important, it's clearly important to NFL scouts and, 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 and coaches. And so I think it's going to elevate his, uh, his status. And uh, Malik Willis, what, what I found interesting about, about the combine as far as the quarterback workouts is he didn't, you know, in the past, it was almost like a stigma to be a quote, a quote unquote running quarterback, an athletic quarterback, you know? Uh, and it was, you know, these, these teams wanted pocket passers. They wanted tall quarterbacks and guys with strong arms. And which of course Malik Willis has, he has maybe the best arm. Probably he probably does have the best arm in this draft class. Uh, I think I read something today that if, if he, the second he goes into the NFL, he's going to have a, he's going to be, he's going to be in the top 10 as far as quarterbacks, uh, you know, arm strength. So he obviously has a great arm, but everybody knows what kind of an athlete he is, but he won't, participate in any of the any of the uh of the drills which i you know especially at a 40 i mean he's believed to be the fastest quarterback in, in the class and he won't participate so i don't know what he's worried about but it, to me it, it it clearly it shows you how how much the mindset has changed and now being a a, a running quarterback in, in in you know like a la lamar jackson josh allen that group uh it's it's coveted now so i think Maybe he's not as fast as people think. Maybe he's not as, as athletic as people think. But he also doesn't want to. He doesn't want to ruin uh, his his. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't want to hurt his draft stock by uh, by performing in the drills this weekend. He's going to save it for the pro day. Maybe more optimal c- conditions. Maybe a more familiar environment. They usually have their pro days. I guess they always have their pro days at, at their at their where they went to college. So maybe that's what he's saving for. He wants to show uh, prospective uh, employers that you know his his speed is as advertised, his athleticism is as advertised, and he did he did um, put on a bit of a show with his arm. So you know he's done well for himself in that regard, and he, just like he did at the Senior Bowl, he, he he was reportedly the best passer that week, and you know so that's what I find interesting because. Uh, a quote unquote athletic quarterback that used to be something they tried to, you know, shy away from. I'm, I'm not just an, a- an athlete. I'm a great uh, quarterback. I'm a great passer. I have a great arm, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now they want to, want to kind of these young quarterbacks, they want to kind of save that stuff and, and, and they want to protect it, you know? So it just goes to show you how much it's shifted and how much players like, like Lamar Jackson have, have changed the NFL and changed uh, the, 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 uh, what we thought of, of of what your prototypical quarterback 
should should look like and and, and how he should play and and, and what uh, skill set he should he should possess. Well, it's different now. So, you know, Malik, Malik Willis is is uh, I think just from a from an arm standpoint, I think he's certainly uh, doing well for himself at the combine. And you know, what he the kind of show he puts on on his pro day, I think it's really gonna. I think his his stock is gonna is gonna uh, skyrocket even more. I, I look for him, and, and and I've gone back and forth with with Malik Willis, and it's probably just based on on listening to the, you know talk radio and reading articles about him, and reading mock drafts and everything. But I, I I'm kind of convinced now that that after his pro day, he's gonna shoot up and 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 be up there with with uh, Kenny Pickett as far as the, you know battling out for. Uh, the top quarterback being taken in, in this draft class. So it's just uh, uh, Malik Willis is an interesting uh, study. And, and I think it's, a, it's, he's an interesting study in, in, in how the perception of, of quote unquote running quarterbacks, what that is now. And it's thanks to Lamar Jackson. It's thanks, thanks to Josh Allen and, 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 and thanks to so many quarterbacks uh, being mobile now and, and needing mobility uh, to, 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 be a, considered a franchise guy in the NFL now, Patrick Mahomes, those kind of players. I mean, they're all mobile. Baker Mayfield, um, Joe Burrow, everybody's mobile now. <laughs> you know, I, I said it before. Even Mason Rudolph is fairly mobile. You know, way more mobile than obviously Ben was at the end. So that's what you need now, and um, and it, it, it's 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 a it's a skill set that helps a quarterback coming out of college as opposed to hurting it, which used to be a reality in the past. So it's going to be an interesting uh, thing to, to, to continue to watch moving forward over the next, gosh, still two more months basically uh, to go before the draft. So I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, I was, I was writing down some, uh, some of the 40 times for, 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 a few of a few of the receivers that I that I, I, I you know, uh, Tyquan Thornton from Baylor four point two eight forty, Realist Jones of out of Tennessee four point three one, and then uh, Calvin Austin from Memphis four point three two. Those are crazy fast times, and from what I read, none of those guys are really considered top receiving prospects. But I guarantee you they're going to elevate their status with those 40 times alone. So yeah, yeah. Look for those guys to start popping up more and more in mock drafts and, and maybe at the end of the first round for teams that need receivers, maybe even the Steelers. Cause another thing I found interesting about the combine, at least so far is how many receivers they visited with, you know, we saw all the quarterback names that they visited with the, the, the typical, you know, obviously Willis Pickett, Ritter, Matt Corral, uh, Sam Howell, they, they visited with all of them and that's to be expected. They're, they're in the market for a quarterback, whether it's in the draft or a free agency, but all the receivers that they visited with, that tells me that they're, they have their eye on, the, on, on a receiver uh, fairly early in this draft, whether it's in the first round or the second or third, I don't know. I mean, if it's the Steelers, it's probably going to be in the second or the third round. That's usually where they, they pick their guys, but, that's a position I never really considered much uh, in the first round because of uh, the need for quarterback and, and offensive line and, of course, defensive line. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on, too. So that's that's pretty much what I've taken from the from the 
combine so far is the uh, is to, to review a little bit, you know, Kenny Pickett's why his hand size matters. It's not because I don't think it's much to do with passing the ball. It's more protecting the ball, uh, you know, during a, you know, a fierce pass rush. And the fact that Malik Willis is protecting his, uh, his uh, athletic drills and he's saving them for, for the pro day, his pro day, as opposed to, to unveiling it at the, at the combine, because that's that, again, that skill set is considered, valuable now for it for a young quarterback and not a detriment like years ago so that's pretty much all i had to say about the uh the combine um things are going to change drastically now uh moving forward based on well i guess it's not all i had to say about the combine but as it pertains to the draft it's gonna things are going to change uh big time now based on the information that comes out of indianapolis this weekend you know, mock mock drafts are going to change. Rumors are going to change. Um, you're going to start hearing more teams being linked to specific players based on where they're drafting and their team needs. And I, again, I just find that interesting because um, you can make a, a strong case for for the the college tape being way more important than the combine drills. But it seems like it's 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 become such a popular thing over the past 15, 20, 25 years that it's almost they're almost given equal weight. You know, what, what a player does over four years, yeah, that's great. But what did he do in his combine? Oh, he did that? Okay, well, he might not have been very productive in college, but but uh those three or four days in Indianapolis mean so much and we now see him as a true legit prospect. You know, uh, so yeah, um, things are going to change, and and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how how the how free agency changes the, the draft as it does every year. You know, once these teams uh, begin to address some needs in a couple of weeks, and it's only a couple weeks away now, it's it's crazy how fast time is flying. Uh, once they begin to address needs, and and whether it's, you know, quarterbacks, there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks out there. Where do they go? Uh, receivers, you're hearing about Amari Cooper. He's probably going to be cut by the Cowboys. That's going to be a, a big player in free agency now. Somebody that people weren't expecting. Uh, so, you know, depending on who gets him, that's going to change, uh, you know, where these young receivers go. Uh, and of course, you know, there's linemen out there and, and a bunch of cornerbacks like we talked about a couple weeks ago. So it's going to it's going to affect everything. And once that kind of, you know, gets settled, even though free agency is never tr- truly over after it begins. Excuse me. Once that's once that gets settled, then uh, it's really going to you're going to see the, the draft take shape. And I think uh, the thing I find interesting about the draft is yeah I, I i make fun of the coverage every year it's non-stop from the time the Steelers season ends in fact even before it ends people never stop talking about the draft but primarily after the season ends the the, the draft talk just ramps up and it never stops and it's just wild speculation for months but then once everything once you know the, the senior bowl and the combine and the free agency. And then, you know, these pro days and everything, once that, once that all 
you know, gets passed, past us and you, you get to about a month away from the draft, then you see these, you know, these mock drafts tend to be more, more accurate. If you go back and you, and you compare, you know, the, the last few weeks of mock drafts, if you take like 20 or 30 or 40 of them and you compare them to the actual draft, they're fairly accurate. So uh, things become, tend to become more crystallized after, after March. So uh, it's going to be a, a pretty fun uh, in, in, in something that as far as free agency is concerned, SEAL fans haven't really gotten to experience, like I said last week in the modern era. So that's pretty much all I had to say about the draft. Um, it's a, uh, if you if you if you're worried about the defensive line, it looks like that might be in better shape than than we were wondering because of uh, people like Cam Hayward basically honestly coming out and saying, "Yeah, uh, Stefan Tuitt is probably coming back, and Tyson Alulu is probably coming back." It doesn't mean they're gonna they're gonna draft a they're, they're not gonna draft a lineman high, but uh, if you can get Tuitt and Alulu back for at least one more year here that's that that's going to make that defense presumably uh, a lot better than it was uh, particularly against the run so and that should make their inside linebackers that much better no matter who they are whether it's Christian Schobert or Bush and somebody else uh, so uh, to me that was good news because uh, Art the second Kevin Colbert you know they really didn't say much as far as, you know, like they, they didn't shed a whole lot of light on Stitt's mindset other than they were excited to have him back or they, they were not excited, but that's not the right word. They were hopeful to have him back. Whereas Cam Hayward kind of said, hey, he's coming back. So we'll see if that's true. And we'll see if, if, if um, they're going to ask him to take a pay cut or if they're going to let him roll with the $13 million cap pit for 2022. So that's another interesting thing to keep an eye on. And, you know, before you know it, uh, the 16th will be here. And, and that's when all the, uh, the wild news and, and is going to become a reality. So believe it or not, that's pretty much all I have to say tonight. And uh, I'm going to take some time a little longer tonight to answer some questions and comments. Because uh, why not? There's only so much you can talk about with the combine as far as I'm concerned. So Let's see what we have here. Steelers Pittsburgh says with all the free agent quarterbacks out there, it might become a bidding war for them. Hopefully the Steelers don't overpay for one. And that's where Mitch Trubisky comes in. I think uh, Michael O'Malley says Trubisky is Ben 2.0. I mean, if he is, then I guess you wouldn't be overpaying for him, but you know, I, I've heard, you know, these insiders talking about Trubisky and what he could command. You know, I, you know, Jameis Winston who has a much uh, longer history or like a few years longer, he's been in the league and, certainly has a much better resume overall. I, I read the projected salary for him for 2022, and it's between like seven and 12 million. And they're talking about Trubisky possibly getting 15 or 20. I don't see where they get that from other than the fact that like uh, Steeler Pittsburgh said, there's going to be a bidding war for these quarterbacks. Cause you figure there's Winston, Trubisky, Mariota, as far as free agents uh, uh, and Bridgewater. Am I missing anybody as far as the prominent free agents? And then depending on maybe who gets cut, if somebody gets cut. So you're talking about going after three or four guys, all these teams, 
So that could drive the price up. But, you know, paying 15, 20 million for Mitch Trubisky or Jameis Winston or Teddy or any of these guys, I don't know if that's a good idea. So that, that would be interesting to see what, what, what happens there if that becomes the asking price for these quarterbacks that not long ago I thought they could get for, for fairly cheap, you know, relatively speaking. And just me says she'll she likes Trubisky. Uh, a lot of people are starting to to that's starting to gain momentum. You know uh, the uh, the Jameis Winston um, excitement appears to have died down. I remember two years ago people were really nuts about Winston wanting them to sign him. Well, now that it, that seems to be more of a reality, people are are shying away from. Him. I mean, yeah, he, he's coming off a torn ACL, so that's one part part of it, but. Trubisky, you know, I guess a lot, a lot of times it's out of sight, out of mind. Because, uh, you know, he put up decent stats with Chicago, but he was never really a what I would call a game changer. Uh, you know, he, he never really had that wow it moment or season. But, you know, he took a, a year off behind Josh Allen with the Bills, and, you know, people tend to forget, you know. Look at Mason Rudolph back in 2019. Uh, people were, were down on him. And they were on the uh, Devin Hodges uh, wagon. And then Hodges started to struggle. Uh, Mason Rudolph came in in that Jets game and, and had a decent half or whatever before he got hurt. <laughs> and then that was all anybody remembered of De- Mason Rudolph was that, that nice pass to, to uh, Deontay Johnson in, in in the Jets game before he got hurt. And then that was all you, you knew of Mason Rudolph for forever. So people started, he, he his reputation was elevated because of, because of uh, that one play and then sitting out after that. So Trubisky took a year off. So that kind of elevated his stock. So he's that's starting to gain momentum. So we'll see what happens there. Of course, you're also hearing rumors that, still that Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, is a prime candidate for the Steelers to go out and, and trade for, which I, I, again, I like Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't think there's a whole lot different between him and a Trubisky or a Jameis Winston. So why you would forget about trading uh, draft picks, because I read you can get them for a couple of fourth round picks, but why take on that much salary when you don't have to? So we'll see what happens. Here's one from Brian Brown who says, I love the draft. I'm reminded every year that Mel Kuyper looks like a, looks like Charlie Sheen and Cal Dracula had a baby. Yeah. Good old uh, Mel Kuyper. He's not really a, a, a beloved figure uh, when it comes to draft Knicks out there, the amateur draft Knicks or, or the professional ones when, it, when you're talking about the, the NFL teams. But, but the, the interesting thing about Mel Kuyper is he's the reason why he's probably the biggest reason why we're all huge draft nuts out there he wasn't the first guy to, to go out and, and compile um, uh, stats and, and, and make, you know, these little uh, books, you know, for, for, for fans to, to be able to, to get their hands on and, and, and consume the draft in the days before the internet. He wasn't the first one to do that, but he is the one who popularized it and he's been on with ESPN since the eighties. So he's one of the pioneers, but he's also, he's also not very popular. <laughs> with the uh the people who uh love the draft so much so it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic mm-hmm. 
This one from Clarence Washington. For this team to move forward, they have to fix the O-line. Well, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm sure they're, you know, we talked about this last year. You know, it wasn't going to happen. wasn't going to happen overnight. It wasn't going to happen in one off season. The, the chances of that happening were slim. You know, they essentially got rid of everybody in their O-line last year, except for Shooks, and brought in a bunch of new people. You know, they brought in a new left tackle, a rookie left tackle, a rookie center, uh, a second-year guard. Uh, they moved Shooks over to right tackle. And, and then they brought in a veteran and Trey Turner. So it wasn't going to be fixed overnight. But, you know, like I said, uh, in the last two years, in the last two drafts, they found themselves a starting left guard, and it would appear to be a starting left tackle. You know, a lot of people are still down on Dan Moore. I don't know why. Maybe it's an analytics thing. Maybe it's a pro football focus thing. But he started all year as, as the left tackle last year after playing left tackle all throughout college. And now the uh, popular opinion is that he should switch over to right tackle, which doesn't make any sense because if that's his natural position, why would you play him out of position? It's not as easy as people think it is to move from left to right tackle or left to right guard or whatever. So, um, you know, the jury is still out on, on, on more, of course, and even Kevin Dotson, but it appears that they found a couple of budding starters in, in terms of center, Kendrick Green, uh, he struggled mightily last year, but we don't know. Uh, Kevin Colbert mentioned an injury that he had, which is what, what knocked him out uh, by the end of the year. But we don't know what, what he's doing this offseason. We don't know how much that's going to affect his, uh, his future in the NFL. We don't know how much it's going to improve his, his uh, performance. I mean, we've seen second-year players make huge leaps uh, just about every year. And maybe he'll be that surprise guy this year to, to make that leap at center. Uh, or maybe they'll move him to guard. I, I don't know. Either way, if they can find another starter at either position, uh, they'll be that much better. But, yeah, they, they definitely have to continue to fix, fix the line. But it's an ongoing thing. And, you know, be, between free agency and the draft, they're likely going to bring in a, a two or three more uh people this year to to infuse that unit with more talent so we'll see what happens there michael o'malley says to mitch trubisky that he was a downfall of the bears ineptitude i've heard that um said and that could be a a deal when was last time the bears had a a great quarterback they've never seemed to be able to they've never been able to develop a quarterback um even jim mcmahon was just okay he was more uh grits and guile than he was talent even though he was a first round pick but yeah they've never really been able to to develop a quarterback and and maybe that was part of trubisky's problem because like we always say it's not necessarily where you're drafted a two draft shoot and he was a second overall pick a few years ago and and uh you know he wound up with the bears and and patrick mahomes was picked what eight eight slots later and he wound up in Kansas city with a couple of offensive geniuses. So, and a bunch of skill uh, position players to, to work with. So you, it, sometimes you're just, you're, you're a victim of your circumstances. You're a product, of, you're a product of your environment, so to speak. So maybe if he, you know, Trubisky's going to be somewhere in 2022, a different, with a different team. So if he, if he picks the right team, uh, 
maybe that it'll it'll go a long way in in, in fleshing out that uh, first round talent that that uh, from you know, twenty seventeen. And Marcus says that Mitch got benched like a th- yeah he struggled in Chicago he struggled to to uh, establish himself but it, it looked like he was he was uh, making some progress there towards the end so we'll see. Brian Brown says, "I don't know about quarterbacks that's stunken up elsewhere. They usually don't get any better. There's there's uh, there's more uh, examples of of you being right than than wrong." course like i read today uh, in, in the comments section of the article i read about mason rudolph uh you know a lot of these players can can look at a a, a fellow uh nfl prospect or, or a rookie and, and and tell right away whether they have it or not so um just because you move around doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna you're gonna your play is gonna improve you know the grass might be greener elsewhere, but doesn't mean you're 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 any better of a player. So we'll see. Michael O'Malley says Mason will be the guy and prove the haters wrong. Well, that's would be a neat story, as I wrote about on Friday. It would certainly be a neat story. I mean, I, I'm all about the story. You know, I, I you know, yeah, I want to see them succeed, but it would be an interesting story. So would Dwayne Haskins if he if he came out of nowhere and I wouldn't say not even to say came out of nowhere, but you know, if he takes advantage of his second chance and, 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 um, uh, reaches his full potential that, that first round uh, pedigree that he has. So there's a lot of interesting ways this, this can go this year. I mean, if it's, if it's Rudolph or Haskins and they make a huge leap, I mean, wow, that would be a story. I mean, it really would be a great story. Whether I, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that right now because they don't, Neither, neither is all that popular with the fan base, but you know, if you get, if you get beyond that and, 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 and picture yourself a year from now, you might be cheering for one of these guys or you might be huge fans of one of these guys based on how their 2022 season uh, panned out. So that's why sports is the greatest reality TV show. Cause you never know what can happen. Mark Tobin, and he's obviously not a Mason believer. And I'm about to fall over in laughter with with all y'all Mason believers. I hope he does okay, but I don't think he's the guy. Well, I don't, you know, when it comes, if you're talking about me, for example, I'm not necessarily a Mason believer. I just think it would be a neat story if he if he you know took that leap and became a good quarterback. You know, it's not about believing, and you know, I, I I don't really that's not really how I fan. I just like to. I'm willing to accept uh, uh, anybody that's good, but you know, I don't. I also don't. You know, when it comes to uh, a, a player, I, I don't necessarily make up my mind about them uh, right away. You know, and I know Rudolph has had a few years to prove himself. But he's also only been in 17 games. That's 17 games over three years. So it's not necessarily about being a believer. It's about you know, wanting to see a good story as far as, you know, but I'm up for whoever 
can get the job done, whether it's Rudolph, Haskins, uh, a draft pick, a veteran. I'm, I'm willing to, to give any of them a chance because that's, you know, I, I don't I don't get all that bent out of shape about, uh, you know, this guy has to be the guy or that guy has to be the guy. I think Trubisky could be a, a great addition. I think Winston would be interesting. I think uh, if they did go out and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that would be pretty interesting. Obviously, somebody like somebody like Russell Wilson would be incredible, which I don't, that's the most unrealistic one, or same with Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, no matter what they do, it's going to be interesting. Uh, but the least sexiest scenario right now, and I think that's why a lot of people are, are down on Rudolph and Haskins is, is uh, going with one of those two guys. Because if you go with one of those two, the expectations are going to be really low and people aren't going to be that into the, into them until they show them that they can do it. So. Mark Tobin says they need to find a bully of an alignment. Well, that was the uh, plan last year. You know, Adrian Clem was uh, considered an aggressive uh, O-line coach. Obviously, Kevin Dodson came in two years ago with that reputation as a road grader. Dan Moore came in with that kind of reputation. Obviously, Kendrick Green uh, came to the NFL with an aggressive uh, reputation. So they're definitely trying to go in that direction. It's just a matter of finding the right pieces and and, and the right um, coaches and the right combination of both to, to, to make to make it work. And here's another interesting uh, name that Clarence Washington brings up. It's time to let Banner go and not bring him back on a restructured contract. Yeah, he really, you know, for a guy who really a popular player among the fans, he's really not done anything. I mean, last year he barely played. And I realized he was coming off a torn ACL from the year before, but at some point uh, you would have thought he'd have been able to crack that lineup, at least on, on at right tackle uh, with Shooks kind of struggling a little bit. But he never did. So I don't know what the deal is with, with Zach Banner, but he's another name that you have to keep an eye on. What, what are they going to do with him? Are they going to cut him? Are they going to uh, try to – is he going to finally win a starting job this year and, and be able to keep it? So we'll see what happens with uh, Zach Banner. And here's another – here's one I didn't hear yet until Steelers Pittsburgh brings it up. He's rumored that the Browns want Trubisky to compete with Baker. That would be interesting um, if it were true because of, uh, you know, Baker being a number one pick four years ago, number one overall pick, and now all of a sudden you're bringing in somebody else to to compete with him for your starting job. And if he beats out Baker Mayfield for the starting job, if that were to be the case, then what, what do you do with Baker Mayfield if you're the Browns? You can't you keep him on, on the bench all year as a backup? So that would be a really, really intriguing development, but I don't see Trubisky. Honestly, uh, he did that whole thing last year, you know, behind Josh Allen. He did the, you know, like just like Jameis Winston did behind Drew Brees. The, I think these guys want to go somewhere where they know they can start. Like if Trubisky signs here, I think he would do that with the belief that, hey, I can beat out Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins and I can be the starter. You know, but whereas if he goes to Cleveland, then, you know, uh, he, he could be. <laughs> have it find himself sitting behind Baker Mayfield and be on the bench for a, a second year in a row. So I think these guys want to go somewhere where they can start. 
So unless the Browns throw a bunch of money at Trubisky, and I don't know why they would do that with with Mayfield. I mean, you talk about making somebody angry, making your your potential franchise quarterback angry uh, when he's he's looking for a new contract. And you, you bring in somebody like Trubisky and you pay him a boatload of money. That would just not be good for morale. So I, I don't see that. It's an interesting rumor, but I don't see that happening. Steelers Pittsburgh says Tony just wants to see Mason's girlfriend around. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, wouldn't that be something? If uh, Mason Rudolph becomes a star and then his girlfriend, the uh, the lovely Jeannie Bouchard, the tennis star, she becomes a, a local celebrity, uh, you know, on, on par with uh, with uh, Cam Hayward's wife and, 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 and uh, who else? Um, celebrity, uh, uh, Mike Tomlin's wife, you know, and it'd be funny if, if she was um, if she was uh, controversial, like uh, like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, fiance that that would be really 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 funny uh but so far you haven't really seen that out of her which i'm sure you would have by now daniel h says does mason need to be a great quarterback for the steelers to win a super bowl or just good well that depends on on uh a lot of things you know if if mason rudolph's a really good quarterback and they have a defensive performance on par with what they did in 2019 and their line is improved to the point where Najee Harris becomes a star running back, then maybe he doesn't have to be a, a, a great quarterback, but traditionally speaking, when push comes to shove, you need your quarterback to step up and, and, and win games for you. And, you know, the whole game manager thing, uh, the Trent Dilfers of the world, uh, was it Rob Johnson with the Bucks? Those kind of quarterbacks, you know, they're becoming rarer and rarer as far as uh, being able to win a Super Bowl, you know, and and you know, those two defenses that I that I just mentioned, they were all time great defenses, especially the two thousand Ravens. So it would take it would it would take a, a lot, but you know, if you if you look at at especially recent history, the the, the quarterbacks that win are usually uh, they have to make big plays and big moments. And, uh, you know, Rudolph has a long way to go to convince people that he could be that kind of, even if he's a good quarterback, that he can make the, the, the key plays and the key moments because he's never really done it. So it can happen, but, you know, it would, it would have to involve a lot going right. So here we are at the 948 mark. I think I'm going to call it a night. It's been a fun show. We got through another one and uh, some more combine to go. And before you know it, we'll be talking about free agency being right on the horizon next week. It'll be the 11th. So we'll be five days away from free agency and people losing their minds in good and bad ways. So I can't wait. So please continue to check back to the Behind the Still Curtain, the website and the podcast. We're going to keep you up to date on, on everything involving the combine and the free agent rumors. You're going to pop up even more now because there will be no nothing else to talk about but free agency. So please stay tuned. And uh, until I talk to you on Monday on The Hangover with Brian and Shannon, you guys have a great weekend. And as always, go Steelers. Take care, everybody.